Good day, everybody. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you had a blessed, holy Christmas. I hope your new year is focused not on resolutions, but on Him and your walk with Him and our time together and everything else that concerns Almighty God. The Lord's been speaking to me through my wife and through myself in a very interesting way that I had never considered before. And it's a little startling. It's more widespread than I ever would have thought, even if I had been aware of it. And now I'm hoping to convey this to you so that the Holy Spirit will do a work in your hearts as well on a daily basis. God spoke to me and kind of said, like, have you ever thought about the fact, intentionally or no, that I'm the one that's supposed to be directing your steps in your life? And I was like, sure, of course. And he said, but have you ever realized that you give my place in directing your steps over to feelings and emotions and you do it a whole lot more than you realize and that got my attention so the Lord started sharing with me and I'm going to share a few scriptures with you to start us off today in Proverbs 16 9 it says the heart of a man plans his way or his own way but the Lord establishes or orders or directs his steps that means we like to think that we <clears throat> order our own steps, but it's actually the Lord that's supposed to establish and order and direct our steps. Psalm 37:23 says the steps of a man are established or ordered or directed by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you've heard this before, but maybe you didn't think about it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge or submit to Him, to Him, and He will make straight your paths. Jeremiah says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their own steps. Pretty interesting, huh? When the Lord establishes our steps, our ways, our paths, the way we should go, He is, <clears throat> excuse me, He's appointing. Carrying, confirming, directing, fashioning, making ready, making firm, setting in order, maintaining, determining, strengthening, and ordaining our steps and our ways and our paths and our lives. It is the Lord who does this. Yet, how many times... Do we actually allow our feelings and emotions to usurp what belongs to Yahweh, God Most High? 
Have you ever pondered that or even considered that or acknowledged it? <clears throat> the Lord is just beginning to speak to me about this. But I'm asking him to do this on an ongoing, going forward basis through his Holy Spirit. Just like he did with me when he started telling me, don't be anxious for anything. I never realized how many times I got anxious or doubted or worried or feared or whatever. <clears throat> and every time I started to do it, before I could make a decision, before I could direct my own steps in the matter, the Holy Spirit would speak to me and say, don't be anxious for anything. And I would go, oh yes, Lord, thank you for reminding me. But then it was my choice to decide at that moment if I was going to acknowledge it and turn and go back to being on his path and letting him lead me in the way I should go, or if I was going to go on the path I had determined based on my feelings or emotions or the circumstances. This is very important. And when you start to realize it, it happens a lot. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's strong, but it happens quite often. In 1 Samuel 15, if you remember, Saul's kingdom is taken away from him by the Lord because he disobeyed what the Lord commanded him to do. The second part of verse 23, God says, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. That's kind of scary. The Lord God then in chapter 16 sends Samuel a prophet to go to King David and anoint him to be the next king of Israel in Saul's place. But David didn't become king immediately. In chapter 18, the women in the town danced and sang, and they said, Saul has struck down his thousands in battle, and David his tens of thousands. And this stirred rage in Saul. He, led by his anger and jealousy and covetousness, bad feelings and emotions, pursued David for some accounts, say, eight years in order to kill him. Can you imagine having such feelings? That every day you wake up, they guide you and lead you to have this awful, sinful, single-mindedness for so long. It doesn't have to be anger. It could be bitterness, it could be resentment, whatever. <clears throat> and what good did that do Saul? What did that benefit him? Nothing. What did that benefit David on the surface? Nothing. David, if he'd been led by his feelings and emotions, he would have killed Saul. The Bible says that David and his men went into a cave, and <clears throat> Saul was in there relieving himself, the Bible says, and but he didn't know that David and his men had entered the cave and didn't see them, didn't hear them or anything. And David and his men had the opportunity to go in there and kill Saul in order to save David's own life. <clears throat> and the warriors that were with him even suggested this very thing. This, the Bible says, And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. But David 
The Bible says, instead, simply cut off a piece of Saul's robe unnoticed, so that Saul would later know that David showed him mercy, even though Saul was enraged and allowing his feelings and emotions to guide him and to lead him and direct his steps. It says, afterward, David was conscience-stricken, and then David responds to his men, saying, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is still the anointed of the Lord. Then the Bible continues, saying, And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way, still not knowing David and his men were there. He was clueless that he was shown such great grace and mercy. Instead of being killed while going to the bathroom, he was allowed to live because God was leading David, directing his steps, ordering his way. David wasn't allowing his emotions and his feelings and his circumstances to lead him. He was still depending upon the Lord to lead him. And that saved Saul's life. And what a different outcome that was. The Bible tells us further, afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul. He said, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth, the Bible says, and paid homage, respect, and honor. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks you harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. And David continues talking to Saul. He says, See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you though you hunt my life to take it. Even leading up to this, as Saul was pursuing David, because David sought to evade Saul, but did not let his emotions guide him and lead him, he was led by the Lord and kept safe. Now, how do we know this? Well, chapter 3, verses 26, 26 through 29 say, Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines instead. Therefore that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. And because the Lord was leading David to safety, he was able also to lead David to spare Saul's life. Because of the Lord's leading, not the circumstances, not the feelings, not the emotions, not the self-protection, not anything we could rationalize or justify. Because of the Lord's leading, David was spared his life and Saul was spared his life. And this is what the Lord does. 
and why the place was called the Rock of Escape. Remember, Scripture says Jesus is a rock. Do you see that the right and expected course for man in his life is to follow the leading and the guiding and the directing and the establishing and the ordering of the Lord God? Not his, yours, our feelings or emotions, other people who are enslaved, strangers' voices. In John 10, verses 2 through 5, Jesus says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd, or the leader, of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers, or should not know it, or should not follow them. And again in verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We need to know and to recognize his voice and follow where he leads. We don't need to follow the voice of strangers, whether that comes in the form of words from unsafe people, or less mature Christians, or false religions, or belief systems, or false teachers, false prophets, what I call self-anointed and self-appointed preachers that have no business doing so, or being so, some YouTube teachings, etc., and in the case of today's Bible teaching, our feelings and our emotions, they are the voice of strangers. They're the ones whose leading we don't need to listen to or follow after or know. They're not the shepherd, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Father God, is our shepherd. He leads us. He guides us. He orders and establishes and directs our steps. Now, I've always believed in God since I was a little boy. I've always gone to church, as far as my earliest memory. But I listened to the voices of strangers that I thought were God because I wasn't saved. Following those voices led me down very wrong and very difficult and very unnecessary paths. I heard and I submitted my life to the gospel and its Lord Jesus Christ. I read his word, and read his word, and I learned to hear and recognize his voice, willingly and committedly following after his leading, then the path was the right one. See, the Lord knows where he is leading us. He knows the way, he is the way, and he can be totally trusted. In fact, he told Thomas as much. And he tells us in John 14:6, he says, I am the way and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So I, he says, am not only the way, I am the path, I am the shepherd, I am the one who leads you, I'm the one that's going to get you where you need to go, and, and nobody else can do it. Now, is it possible 
that I can still be led by my feelings and emotions away from what the Lord is leading, even when I'm feeling joyful and happy and exuberant and upbeat. Would you imagine? I wouldn't think so, just naturally speaking. I would think, sure, if I've got a negative emotion or a bad experience or something like that, I could be led by bad feelings or emotions. But what harm could come from feeling good or joyful or, or you know, sometimes giving over my, 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 the Lord's leadership in my life to good feelings and emotions rather than bad feelings and emotions? Is there a biblical example of this, and what would that be? What is a reason or reasons behind being led by the wrong thing, anything but the Lord? Luke 12, 16 through 21 says, And he, Jesus, told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will sell, say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared... Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Now Jesus was talking about putting your faith in abundance of goods, but this is very and it's very true. But it also speaks about the fact the Lord is showing me, and I'm sharing with you, that the fact that he is in a good place. He thinks in his life, he's good, he's got money, he's got possessions, he's not wanting, he's not lacking, he's got no reason to worry, have any negative emotions. In fact, he feels quite good. He's got comfort, he feels joy and peaceful in those things that are providing him a temporary or even false sense of security or comfort. And so he feels good about all this, but there's still danger in that, because do you see that this man was happy, joyful, secure, and feeling feeling pretty good about himself and his life at this point. He was satisfied and secure in his blessings and abundance and material prosperity, enough to decide to say to himself, relax, eat, drink, be merry. The joy he felt led him through his feelings to not only trust in his possessions instead of God, but he then made the choice to just chill out and trust in the security that it would bring him leading God to call him a fool. Beyond that, Jesus relaxes, relates, excuse me, that he died that very day. He said, This night your soul will be required of you. And this is just a really good example of how even good feelings and emotions can lead us down a disastrous path or end. Again, it's the Lord who should lead us and guide us. Now, the feelings and emotions are okay. They're there for a reason sometimes. But we're not to let them guide us into what we should say, into what we should think, into what we should do, how we should act, how we should treat other people, decisions we should make regarding ourselves, let alone affecting other people. 
Now, there's another account, but this one's an historical account. It actually happened. It's come, it involves people's very lives. In 2 Samuel 13, verses 1 through 22, it says, Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, from different mothers, they were stepbrothers and sisters, um, loved her. And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill, physically sick, because of his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for Amnon to do anything to her. And nowadays, there's so much sin in the world, we don't even think twice about doing something like that, the girl or the boy. But here in this case, it was a much more virtuous culture, for the most point, for the most part, and um, he actually loved, and I looked up the word love, because I thought to myself, well, surely uh, there's a different meaning for love, you know, but, but he did actually love her. It wasn't just lust, and I, and I believe in this, you know, that it's saying, and I'll say this is me, not the Lord saying for sure, but I believe it meant that he was so infatuated with, with her, not just by her beauty, but what he felt in his heart, that was a good feeling that it led him down a very bad path, and it was disastrous, and it didn't just hurt him, it hurt Tamar far worse. For she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend, whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. So it was his cousin, and Jonadab was a very crafty man, like the devil in Genesis 1 was called crafty. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard? Why are you so helpless and depressed and weak and fatigued? Morning after morning. Will you not tell me? So Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. As I said, they were set brother and sister. Same father, different mothers. So Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father, the king, comes to see you, say to him, Let my sister Tamar come to me and give me bread to eat, and prepare the food in my sight, that I might see it and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king did come to him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes or loaves of bread in my sight that I might eat from her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar and saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house where he was lying down. And she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes or loaves in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and emptied it out before him. But he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Send out everyone from me. In other words, all the servants, everybody else in the room, get them all out, so it's just you and me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the chamber, into my room, that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. 
But when Amnon, excuse me, but when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her, and he said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, No, my brother, don't violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her, and being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. He raped her. Then, then, Amnon's love for her, my words, but the Bible said it previously, then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had for her. Feelings and emotions all over the place. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go. But she said to him, No, my brother, for this is wrong in sending me away, and it's a greater sin than the other thing you did to me. But he wouldn't listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door behind her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for this is how the young virgins and daughters of the king were dressed. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore, and she laid her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as you can imagine, as she went. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard all these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated, violated his sister Tamar. Good feelings led to this, bad feelings led to this, resulted in bad feelings for many people. So being led by our feelings and emotions, whether good or bad, is not necessarily a good thing. The Lord directs our steps, the Lord leads, the Lord guides. What a horrible string of events and lies through and into upheaval, all because Amnon allowed a feeling and emotion of intense, temporary love to lead him in thought and action, rather than the perfect ways and the laws and the statutes of the Lord God Almighty. Can you see this? Eve, also, and Amnon already had their individual motives to sin for which they were accountable. But the enemy influenced them to sin by wedging himself in between God and the human being. When we give ourselves over, brothers and sisters, to the feeling or the emotion rather than the God of the universe, then chaos and destruction, to one degree or another, are the outcome. Not only for us, but for those around us. It can be thought of this way. Newer cars have sensors that light up and beep and let us know that we're straying from the lanes that we're driving in, right? If you don't have one, then you rented a car or you just know them from that on, on the internet or TV when they advertise them. They do these things. They have these capabilities. 
they these sensors they have a place I mean they belong and they have a function and it's good but they're not designed to drive us anywhere okay the more they go off the more trouble we're in because we realize we're either texting or drunk or weaving all over the road that's what they're there for and our sense of judgment we find out temporarily to one degree or another is dangerously impaired because we're weaving and you know getting off the lane that we're supposed to be in those sensors are guides to an extent to let us know that we're straying but they're not the guide they're not what's driving us they're not what's supposed to guide us and lead us to get us to where we're supposed to go okay we've allowed ourselves in that case to be very distracted and this is against the law and there's a reason behind that it hurts or kills you or other drivers around you who end up paying a price for our lack of proper focus and judgment when we give ourselves over to feelings and emotions allowing them to drive us even momentarily the results can be and often are horrendous Saul's kingdom was taken away from him because he allowed something other than the Lord's word to lead and guide him. His jealousy of David resulted in fury and anger, so much so that he chased him all over in order to kill him. We read that. The rich man who allowed his feelings of comfort and self-satisfaction to lead him to rest and trust in his abundance and to eat drink and be merry okay in other words take it easy trust in your abundance of possessions life's good okay his life ended that very night scripture tells us and Amnon's emotions and what he thought was love were acted on so swiftly and immediately and with such a, a focus on what his actions would do for him with no thought of tomorrow's life whatsoever that they led him and practically his whole family into a path of destruction that lasted a long long time and changed things irrevocably the thoughts and emotions are sensors at best and faulty ones at that in this case they weren't designed for us to submit to and follow and let lead us and guide us whether good or bad they are small and their indicators only Jesus Christ is love and power and truth he is to lead us he's to be the cars guidance system he's to be the GPS we should submit to him and follow him and obey his leading or we will reach our desired undesired destination but if we do submit to him if we do follow him if we do let him lead if we do obey his leading then we will reach our desired and here's his desired destination for us remember the Lord knows all his motives are pure rather than ours he looks out for us and shelters us he is our guide he leads us do you remember in Psalms 23 verses 1 through 3 says this I know you know this the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still 
waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you see that it's him who leads? He is our shepherd. He is our leader. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still, calm waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness, not paths of destruction. Our feelings and emotions won't do this, at least not to the same end. Jesus said in John 10, verse 3, The sheep hear my voice, and I call my own sheep by name, and I lead them out. Verse 4 says, A stranger they will not follow. Feelings and emotions are a stranger. Again, we shouldn't, we often do, give them authority to make decisions for us and to lead us. What we will say, how we will act, where we will go, and this is misplaced for sure. They cause us to go where we shouldn't. They cause us to stray. The Bible tells us not to go to the left or to the right, but to stay on the path, and Jesus is that path. One of the most important fruit to the Spirit, not the flesh, is in Galatians 5.23. It's self-control. This involves a sound mind, good judgment, good decision-making. When we're calm and level-headed, we think more clearly. Have you experienced that? I have many, many, many times. And we can reason appropriately. We can hear the voice of the Lord leading us rather than his voice being drowned out and shouted, uh, and, and shouted out by feelings and emotions. Again, in 2 Timothy 1.7, it reiterates this and tells us, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, a feeling or an emotion, but of power and of love. And of self-control, some, some, some versions say a sound mind, meaning having good judgment, having control over ourselves. To control, self-control is to control the fleshly, the carnal, the ungodly part of ourselves by not giving ourselves over to it, not submitting control of our lives to it, not letting it be the path, but instead be the Lord and his path of righteousness leading us where we should go. Letting God be our shepherd. James 1, 19 through 20 deals with this too. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, leads us down the wrong path. Therefore, put away... Have self-control over. Put away. Do not submit yourself to it. Put it away. All filthiness. All rampant wickedness. And instead, receive with meekness the implanted word. Jesus is the word. Which is able to save your souls. Do you 
you remember these words in Psalm 119, verse 105, but we're going to back up a little bit and do 103 through 105. David says, or the psalmist says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Everything that leads me in the wrong way I hate is what he's saying. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You remember that. Your word is a lamp to my feet. In other words, your word illuminates the path that my feet should walk on. It's a light to my path, where I should go, where you're leading me. So your word, God's word, his ways are the way. A lamp to our feet to guide us in the right way we should go and a light for us to see the path clearly. And of course, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 drives this home for us and teaches us saying trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding including your feelings and emotions in all your ways acknowledge and submit and follow him and he will make your paths straight Jesus also said my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Again, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. When we have fellowship or <clears throat> sweet communion with him and proper relationship with our creator, our maker, our savior, our redeemer, he shows us his love for us by leading us in the way we should go, and that leads to eternal life. And we show him our love for him by following him on that path. And in that way, we have love for him as he has love for us. We both benefit and we both profit and prosper. Apart from this, we will be following strangers, as we said before, that lead us to a path of destruction rather than life. He told us and he warned us that destruction is a wide path and that many has many followers. But he also said life, not death, is a narrow path and it has few followers. Can you see that we choose our own paths day by day, decision by decision, minute by minute, hour by hour, month and week, year after year? It really is about choices, but choices are giving, when we make a choice, we're giving ourselves over, we're submitting to, we're following after something that is leading us. And if we follow our feelings and emotions, they're going to lead us down that path to destruction. We will be usurping God's authority over our lives to lead us in the way that we should go. Momentarily, or after a lot of thought, or just... In an, on an impulse or guided by very strong feelings and emotions, whatever the case, whatever the degree, we're not supposed to listen to those things. Those are strangers, and strangers don't care for us, and they don't lead us down the right path. We choose our own paths. Who's going to lead us? 
Which way have you been going so far, and which way will you go now, after hearing this? Holy Spirit, please speak to our hearts very clearly and very strongly, because you love us, and you alone have the path, are the path by which we should go. Let us not listen to the voice of strangers, especially according to this today's lesson, our feelings and emotions. And please speak to us and let us hear when we're about to do those things that are leading us to the left or to the right, instead of listening to you and give us a chance to respond to you and submit to you and let you be our leader and guider and shepherd. Thank you for this, because I know this to be true. Amen.